You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Just like the late great preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, my theology can be considered into four words. Jesus died for me. What about you? Easter is the greatest event in the history of the world. Think about that. God broke through our world in a way that defies nature. What couldn't happen did happen because with God, nothing is impossible. And if you think about it, God created boundaries and limits for us. And why is that? Well, it's basically for our protection and our comfort. We need to understand that God is always wanting to protect us. God has no boundaries, though. With God, all things are possible. So God became flesh. And why did he become flesh? Have you ever thought about that? To solve life's greatest problem. You know what that is? Capital S-I-N sin. That's it. Easter is about solving the sin problem because Christ came to the cross to take your place and my place and to pay the penalty for our past, present, and future sins. Aren't you thankful this morning? If you have your Bibles, you can open them to John, the Gospel of John chapter 14 and verse 2. And we'll be there in just a moment. God also became flesh. Why did he become flesh? To answer life's greatest question that was in the Old Testament. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, think about this. Every human being asked this question. If a person dies, will he live again? Is there something beyond this life? You see, the resurrection declares there is something beyond the grave. And if you think about it, none of us, really, we don't know what's out there because we've never experienced it. If you did, you've died and come back alive in here. But, and that has happened to some people, you know what I mean, on the operating table. But you know what I'm talking about this morning. We don't know what's out there because we never experienced it, but we do know who is out there. You know who that is? It's Jesus Christ. And Jesus told us why he was leaving this earth, and he told us that he's coming back in John 14 too. And this is what it says. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you I go to prepare a place for you. Understand this morning, heaven is a real place. Heaven is a literal place. And it's a place that is prepared for people. And if you're not prepared to go to heaven, you need to prepare by accepting Christ today. He said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. He who cannot lie. He who keeps 100% of his promises. He who can do all things says, I will come back and take you with me that you may be where I am. Understand this morning, Easter solves life's 
greatest problem. It answers life's greatest question. And there are three things I want to take you to take home today about Easter. Three things that Easter is. And I'm not going to spend much time on the first two, but I want to camp out on the third one, okay? So hear me. Some of you who go to church here regularly, you know me. I'm not bashful, right? So I understand some of you have lunch reservations. Some of you have something at home in the oven. And it's not going to be long. But my most important thing that I want you to know is I hope you have the reservation. The reservation in heaven. So hear me this morning. The first thing I want you to see is Easter is. Easter is a person. In other words, Easter is Jesus Christ. John 11 verse 25 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, what? Though he die, yet shall he live. God put on the form of man and stepped into time and space. And Jesus died on a Roman cross to rescue us from our self-imposed doom so that we could be forgiven. So that we could be God's children for eternity. God's family. Romans 5, 6 says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came. When did he come? At just the right time and died for us sinners. Only Jesus could have done what Jesus did. You know what it required? It required a virgin's birth, a virgin birth, his sinless life, and then his vicarious death, and then one day his literal return. Easter is a person. Easter is Jesus. There's never been anybody like him. There never will be anybody like him. He stands alone. Amen? Amen. Secondly, Easter is a promise. Easter promises what? Eternal life. Easter promises that there is something beyond this life and that we will live forever in a place called heaven. Now let's go back to John eleven twenty five 25 and look at it again. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, say it with me, yet shall he live. Do you believe that this morning? You see, his resurrection guarantees our resurrection. Every shred of evidence for the resurrection of Christ, and it's overwhelming, that's also evidence for our resurrection. And when you admit your sin, and you invite Jesus Christ into your heart and your life as your personal Lord and Savior, from that point on, you will never die. You say, Pastor, I've got friends who are dead. No, they're not. They're more alive today than you are. Listen, they're more alive than you are. They're more alive than they've ever been. You see, this death, it's like pulling off this coat and leaving it behind. You take your last breath here, and what do you do? You breathe in your next breath. What do you breathe in? Celestial air. So many times when I'm at the hospital, and people are on their deathbed, and I have seen many take their last breath. And I tell them, as soon as you exhale your last breath right here on earth, you inhale your first breath of celestial air, heaven. Man, we need to understand that this morning. Easter conquered death so that we live forever. The promise is there, eternal life. But Easter also promises 
abundant life now. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus promised you and me not just a boring life, not just making it, not being defeated. Jesus came that we may know life at its best. Abundant life. Heaven right here on earth. A fulfilling life. You see, most of you, if not all of you in this room this morning, agree that Jesus Christ arose from the grave. And He is alive. And that He's your Savior. And you know that when you die, you will go to be with Him. So you know and believe a lot about what will happen when you die. But my question is, have you grasped what can happen while you're still living? See, sometimes we act like people that's always about tomorrow. We say, have you ever said this? And I have. One day, it's going to get better. One day, my problems are going to be gone. How's that going for you? One day, I'm going to get to the good place. One day, it's going to be wonderful. But what about this day? Today being wonderful. Jesus said, look, I've come not just that you have this life, but just in eternity. But I've come that you may have abundant life today and tomorrow and next week. To fill your life with inner peace and strength and joy and purpose. But there's another thing that Easter promises. A literal return of Jesus Christ. So Easter promises eternal life, abundant life, and the return of Christ. Do you remember the disciples? They got to the tomb and they found the grave clothes neatly folded and the tomb empty. Oh, by the way, the tomb is still empty. Mary got there and found an empty tomb and talked to a man she thought who was the gardener who turned out to be Jesus. But it's an interesting thing here about the grave clothes that were folded neatly. And the napkin was folded because in that day and time, in Bible days... When a person died, they would take that napkin or that cloth and they would put it over the dead person's face. Now, let me tell you why this is significant, that the napkin was neatly folded. You see, the disciples noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth had covered Jesus' head, was neatly folded up and lying to the side, right there with the grave clothes. And in order to understand the significance Oh, the, of the folded napkin, there's a story about the Hebrew tradition. The folded napkin had to do with the master and the servant. And every Jewish boy knew this tradition. When the servant set the dinner table for the master, he made sure that it was exactly the way that the master wanted it. Then the servant would wait and not touch the table until the master was finished. And if the master was finished eating, he would get up from the table, he would wipe his hands, he would wipe his mouth, he would wipe his beard, and we'd just wad up the napkin and throw it down because a wadded napkin means I'm finished. But if the master got up from the table, folded his napkin neatly, and folded it beside his plate, the servant would not dare touch the, t the table because the folded napkin mean I'm coming back. 
Aren't you glad? So in this tomb, the napkin was neatly folded. In other words, Jesus said, I'm coming back. In Acts chapter 1 and verses 10 through 11, it says, When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven. You remember the ascension? I mean, think about it. Jesus starts going up in heaven. The same Jesus who is literally going up into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus is risen. Jesus is coming back to earth. You have to make some kind of response. It's a promise that will not be broken. So first, Easter is a person And second, Easter is a promise. But lastly, Easter is a power. I am the resurrection and the life. Remember, God's name is I am. God says you need power, I am power. You need help, I am help. You need healing, I am Jehovah Rapha. God says I'm bigger than any need you could ever have. I am what you need. In 2 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Jesus died for our sins. In verse 3, past tense, Jesus was buried Verse 4, past tense. But then it says, Jesus rose again the third day. Verse 4, present tense. So he arose and continues to be risen. Listen to me, church. If you don't hear anything else I said, look at this. We don't serve a dead Christ on a cross. Amen? Amen. Our Christ is alive and he offers us Easter power, resurrection power. Listen. The Bible says the same power that brought Jesus out of that grave alive is the same power that is available to your life as a Christian. You say, Pastor, you don't know me. I'm not a very good Christian. Listen, the power is available to the strongest Christian and the weakest Christian because whether you're strong or weak, you need God's power. And God has given you this power. He's made the power available. Do you know what Easter is? Easter is Jesus. That's who Easter is. That's what it's all about. Jesus is in you. So the power of Jesus is in your life. All that Jesus is, He is in you. And all that He is in you, He wants to be through you. The power to handle Whatever life throws at you. And God knows many of us, if not all of us, have had many things thrown at us. I want you to think about the disciples. Because when you read the New Testament, it's clearly evident that these disciples failed Jesus and they became cowards. And they were hiding behind locked doors. Man, they bailed out on Christ. They let him down. They were not there when he needed them. But then later on, These same disciples became zealots on fire for Christ. 
Last Sunday, if you were here, you remember what I said? I'm not afraid of cooling down a few zealots. It's warming up the corpse that keeps me up at night. Listen, they are willing to do anything for Christ. Willing to take persecution. Willing to die. And most didn't die. Many of them died as martyrs. What changed them? You say, well, it was the resurrection. And true, they knew Jesus came out of the grave. And Peter went to the tomb. And James went to the tomb. But on Sunday evening, you know where they are? They're hiding behind locked doors, afraid. You see, they know Jesus is alive, but they're afraid. Now, one of the reasons they may be afraid, maybe they were, and behind those locked doors is because of the awful mess that they had made out of their lives and the way they let Jesus down. They turned their back on perfect love. Remember Peter? Think about this. Mr. Disciple, this guy was bold. And when he, listen, and he would tell it like it was, and man, he would fight for Christ. He was the one who walked on water, and then, of course, he almost drowned because he took his eyes off of Jesus. And Jesus had to reach out his hand and save him from drowning. Peter was the one that Jesus called the rock. Remember Jesus said, one of you will deny me three times? And Peter says, that will not be me. Man, listen, I am the one that you can count on. I will be there for you. I've got your back. Nobody can get to you because they have to go through me first. I'll always be there for you. Listen, Jesus, I will even die for you. Now, just move forward to where this young girl said to Peter, You are one of them. You are one of them that knows Jesus. You're one of them that's been with Jesus. You're with Jesus. And Peter says, no, I'm not. And in Matthew, it says, Peter used words he had not used before. Peter began to curse and swear, and he denied Jesus. Peter cursed. He said, I don't even know that man. And then what happened? All of a sudden, Remember that? We were in Israel with a group. I've shared a little bit about that. At the place where that happened. So surreal. Think what that felt like to Peter. The sound of that rooster crowing had to echo through his entire being. Think of the feeling of failure and defeat and embarrassment. And then to make it even more difficult, he glanced in the direction of the open court and there his eyes made contact with the eyes of Jesus Christ. Jesus looked at him, looked at the one who failed him, who denied him. And now Jesus is resurrected from the grave and he says, I want to meet the team. I want to get with the group and I want to be sure to tell Peter to come. Y'all be sure to tell him to come. I think I would be a little afraid. What about you? I mean, man, Peter had to be wondering, man, what's Jesus going to do to me? Don't you think? What will he say to me? What will Jesus say to his disciples? 
because of their doubts and struggles and letting him down and running away in fear and hiding and trembling, Jesus on the cross and his disciples were hiding in fear. What will Jesus say to them? Well, James, the brother of Jesus, his own brother didn't even believe him. He didn't believe he was who he said he was. He didn't believe he was the Messiah. In fact, he said, my brother is crazy. He's crazy. Now, Jesus is resurrected. And James knows he's resurrected. What is James thinking? He knows what he says about his brother. He said his brother was crazy. You're not the Messiah. Man, you're making up stuff. And now he's alive and he walks out of the grave alive. What will he say to James? Listen, here's the amazing thing. Jesus went to those disciples and the first thing he said, peace be with you. He loved them and he welcomed them and he forgave them. Wiping out their past and he said to Peter, I want you to preach the first sermon in the church. And as you read the book of Acts, and you'll find that Peter preached a thousand. Not one time, but several times you find him preaching. And thousands of people were saved. What about James? Well, Jesus welcomed James and loved him and forgave him. And you know what? You have a book in your Bible by the name of James. That's the brother. That thought Jesus was crazy. Do you realize that James was called camel? James was called camel because he spent so much time on his knees in prayer that his knees were deformed. Can that be said about us? The book of James is one of the most practical books. One of the best books in the New Testament. What made the difference? What made the difference in the lives of these men is that they saw the living Christ and he welcomed them and he loved them and he forgave them. And that's the gospel of Easter. That's the gospel for people right here in this room this morning. You know why? Because in a crowd this size, some of you feel like you're, you've really, really blown it. Maybe you've denied Christ and you turn your back on the Lord you've turned your back on the church you've hurt your reputation you've hurt your testimony and you feel defeated and embarrassed you feel like the disciples when they left you see the good news is Jesus is looking for you but he's looking for you to tell you to be at peace he says, I want to forgive you. I want to love you. I want to fill your life with abundant life. I want to use you. I want you to have joy. Here's the truth of Easter. Because some of you think what you've done or haven't done for the Lord. You think he's so disappointed in you, you can never get it right again. This is what I want you to hear this morning. I want you to know he's not disappointed with anyone in this room because he knew everything you would ever do before you were ever born. And he loved you so much that he went to a cross 
and died naked in shame just for you. Do you hear that this morning? Had you been the only one, he would have done it. So stop being afraid. Stop living a defeated life. Even if you feel like you have failed him miserably like the disciples. Listen to me. I have failed the Lord many, many, many times in my life. And I have felt defeated many, many times. But every time Jesus has come looking for me when I wasn't looking for him. And he's offered me forgiveness. He's offered me love. And he says, it's gone now. I want to use you again. That's the gospel of Easter. Maybe you're hiding behind invisible doors. Maybe you're hiding behind a bad choice. Hiding behind a sinful past. Hiding behind financial problems. Or it could be a thousand different things. Jesus says, I love you. I want to forgive you. I want to, listen, I want to fill your life with joy and meaning and purpose and power. And those of you who may know Jesus personally, he still looks for you when you sin. But for those of you who do not know Jesus personally, he has been looking for you, and he still is. You see, the disciples didn't go looking for Jesus. Jesus came looking for them. Jesus always initiates. He comes to us. He calls out our name. And Jesus is looking for you, and he's calling your name. Mary didn't recognize Jesus. She thought it was the gardener. But then she heard Mary, and she knew that was the voice of Jesus. And she went back to the disciples and she said, Jesus is risen. My Lord is risen. He called my name. Remember the apostle Paul, who was a terrorist trying to defeat Christianity, to totally murder Christians and wipe Christianity off the face of the earth. But on the Damascus road, Jesus came calling him and called his name. And what did he do? He gave his life to Christ. And Jesus wiped out his sinful past. And he wrote half the New Testament. Established nearly half the churches that were in existence at the time of the Bible. The greatest evangelist in the history of the world. Listen, it happened because Jesus, who is Easter, called his name and he responded in faith. Here's something that will break your heart. Think about Judas. Judas had every opportunity. Jesus reached out to him over and over again. And even at the end, Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. Knowing exactly what he would do. But here's Jesus washing their feet. Even Judas's. And Jesus put a fine morsel of food in his mouth. And Jesus let him have a seat close to it. Then what did Judas do? He sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. 
He betrayed him. And when Judas realized what was going down, when he realized what he had done, he thought, man, there's no way out of this. What I've done is so bad, I cannot be forgiven. There's no hope for me. There's no way out. And Judas committed suicide. Let me wrap this up. Don't ever give up. You don't have to. Judas gave up just before Easter. But Easter is now a reality. And because of Easter, we don't have to ever give up. No matter what we've done, what mistake we've made, or how far we've gotten away from the Lord. Don't miss that. Jesus is looking for you and you and you, and he is calling your name today. That's what he's doing. And he wants to forgive you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to give you life like you've never had life before. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you a purpose. He's calling your name. For some of you in here today, he's calling some of you back to a new commitment. Some of you back to church to get involved. But hear me. But for some of you to come to Jesus for the first time in your life and let this be your first real Easter. Jesus loves you so much that he died on a cross for you. Will you bow your heads? As we close and come to our invitation, as Robin comes and lead us, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you don't know about this Jesus that we've talked about today, let me just share what he did for you and me. Jesus loves us so much that he died for us so that we can have this eternal life in heaven. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you can know his love by admitting you are a sinner and believing that he died on the cross for you this morning. Just ask him to forgive you and he will save you. Place your faith and trust in him today. He wants to be your Lord and your Savior and guide you through life. And you can have this grace and this freedom and this joy through Jesus alone. And if you want this free gift of eternal life, then you just pray this prayer silently as I say it. Just make this your prayer. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you please come into my life and save me? Cleanse me of my sins. Come live in me. I hear you calling my name this morning, Jesus. I receive your gift of forgiveness. I surrender to you. I give you my life and I receive your life. Help me to live the remaining of my days for you and you alone. If you prayed that prayer, that's the greatest prayer you've ever made in your life. You've ever said the greatest decision you could ever make. If you did that, in the moment we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And I would ask that maybe you'd just come boldly and take one of us pastors by the hand and said, I prayed that prayer. For many others today, maybe you need to come and make a recommitment to Jesus Christ. Maybe for others, you're looking for a church home and you feel like this is the place. Maybe some of you need to come and understand that 
You have that resurrection power. Maybe you need some kind of healing in your life and you just come and lay that down before Jesus today. Father God, today, my prayer is that, Lord, for all who you call by name, that God, they would answer. That God, they would realize that you are the only hope in this world. God, so many of us have tried so many things and God, have no joy, have no peace. And God, today, I pray that they would just turn everything over to you. Would you have your way in this place today? I ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? Would you sing? And would you come as God instructs you to today? Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.